Well, first things first, Happy New Year. So nice to see you all, and I actually missed you over the holiday, and I've been looking forward to seeing you all this evening, and it's great to be back with you all. So I hope you had a good time. I hope you're feeling refreshed. And as Bex has said uh, already, we are starting this new series, Dangerous Prayer, and four weeks, tonight, I'm picking the topic of Search Me. Uh, so that's what I'm going to speak about tonight. Uh, what I'm going to do is I want to look at just a couple of verses in that Psalm 139 uh, that was read so beautifully. And I want to just really look at a prayer David prayed at the end of that Psalm uh, in verses 23 and 24. He says this, he prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to explore on this first week this whole theme of praying that God would search us. And I don't know whether you do that or not. I don't know whether the, the, the thought of actually uh, God doing that is a bit frightening or not, or you think, yes, bring it on. Uh, I want to unpack David's prayer. David basically prays four things. He's an amazing man of prayer. And the first thing David prays is, search me, God, and know my heart. That's the first thing. Search me, God, and know my heart. And I would encourage us to be praying that prayer at the start of this year. Now, about 10 years ago, I got viral meningitis. I had this really, really sore neck. I got quite sick. And my doctor said, Mike, we've got to get your heart checked out. We need someone to really search it. So you need to go to a cardiologist and you need to get it properly checked. So I went along. I remember I was feeling really rough. And they stuck all these funny electrodes on my chest. And then there was a screen here. And I could actually see my heart. And it was sort of beating. And I could see all the... Uh, is it ventricles or I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm not good at biology. Uh, anyway, I, I remember seeing it and uh, uh, I say that. Now, when David prays, search my heart, what he's not saying is, God, God, would you go under my ribcage and look at my heart, my organ? In ancient Hebrew, in their Hebrew understanding of heart, basically it refers to our whole life. It refers to our mental processes, our emotions, our will, the choices we make. And so in praying this in verse 23, David is actually saying, you know, would you search my whole life, God? Would you search me totally and completely? And so this is this sense of this prayer. And the question I want to really, I mean, thinking about myself is, am I going to be praying that sort of prayer as we start this year. Uh, do I want God to search me? I've got a, a three sons, and one of my sons, you know, he's at an age where you sort of, it's a big thing when you leave them on their own, so it's kind of like, don't put the, don't put the oven on, don't strike matches. You know, I can't think of the other rules. I, I get back home, and um, basically, the door's locked, and I'm banging on the door. He's hiding. He's sort of I said, I said, Harry, it's Dad. Open the door. It's just me. I'm your father. And uh, he was trying to block me out. I'm asking you tonight. I'm asking myself tonight. Are we going to ask our Father in heaven 
who uh, loves us, who delights in us, to search our lives at the start of this year. That's what David did. And I want to encourage us to do so because, you know, like David, um, we actually need external input in our lives. Uh, In our own strengths, in our own abilities, with our own perspectives, we'll always have too small a vision for this year for ourselves. And David knew this. What I love about David is he knew, he trusted God, Uh, He loved God. It's clear from the words he wrote in this psalm uh, that he wanted God's tender heart and and perspective in his life. And so he says, God, would you search my heart? I know you love me. I know you're for me, not against me. I need your perspective. Would you just search me and uh, examine my life? And we need that, it's clear, if you look at the Bible as a whole with the teaching on the heart, there's a sense, it sounds negative, that actually our heart, Jeremiah says, is deceitful above all things. There's a sense that actually we're not a good judge of ourselves, of our lives. And I see this so often in people that actually they don't see how amazing they are. But also, at times, we, we don't have a great perspective on what could be. And so, like David, I'm encouraging us, first of all, to pray, God, search me and know my heart. It's very, very important that we do this. And I want to encourage you to do this. If you're going to do this, can I encourage you to basically uh, just pray David's prayer, the exact words we've just looked at, and wait and be open to the Spirit as you do that. Ask the Spirit to guide us. It's the Spirit, basically, who stirs our hearts and who restores our heart, and ask him to speak to you at the beginning of this year. So that's the first thing David prays. What was it? Search my heart. Are you going to pray it at the start of this year? It's a great prayer to pray. Second thing David prays is he said, God, would you please not just search my heart, would you reveal my fears? Would you reveal Uh, my fears. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me, he says, and know my anxious thoughts. This is important that uh, actually, if we're to be able to do all that God wants us to do and be as a church individually, that we identify what our fears are. Now, what's interesting is I basically uh, got given um, lots of gardening books for Christmas. It was a mystery (laughs) from different people. I'm not anti-gardening. Some of them are really expensive, but I just got these gardening books. I'm like, thanks very much. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Um, By a guy called Monty Don. I got one from him. I got these other. I've never heard of these people before. So I've been reading about gardening, and uh, one of the things with gardens, what kills gardens is weeds. And I've been learning all about weeds and aphids and different sprays, all these sorts of things. Now, David wants God to reveal his fears because uh, he knows these fears are like weeds that kill the growth in his garden, in his life. And, you know, we all have different fears, don't we? I've spoken to so many people who fear different things. I wonder what your fears are. I've spoken to people who've been worried about their marriage, who've been worried about exams, who've been worried about whether they'll ever meet a boyfriend or girlfriend or whether they'll ever get a place at university or whether they're uh, ever going to uh, get that promotion or they're worried about their job or whether they can pay the mortgage or they're worried about their appearance. Uh, I I had a long conversation with someone recently who was worried about eating in front of other people. Uh, Often, we have all sorts of fears. 
And I was thinking about this myself, like, what are my fears? I often fear for stuff happening to my kids, you know, or something horrible happening. Or, or another one, I, I, I can be slightly hypochondriac. And, and I was in town the other day, I was feeling a bit, I thought, maybe I'm going to die. And I felt a bit frightened. <laughs> I thought, maybe this is it. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking, fears, what are your fears? We all have fears. David says to God, God, would you reveal my fears? And he does that because he wants to overcome them. He doesn't want to let the weeds ruin uh, his life. He doesn't want the weeds to cramp his style. And, uh, you know, if we're to overcome our fears, first of all, we need to identify them. Well, we need God to be able to help us to do that. Then, can I encourage us, if you uh, have got fears, and we've all got them to different intensities or others, tell someone about them. Uh, it actually breaks um, the power of fear. And I often find with my own, I keep them secret because I feel a bit ashamed about them. I feel a bit weak or maybe I shouldn't have them. Uh, but actually, can I encourage you to tell someone else about them? Speak um, to someone. Get them to pray with you. Uh, actually, as you identify them. And then it's very, very important that uh, you just get on with your life and press through the weeds and just do uh, what it is you feel God calling you to and, and not get bound up by the weeds of fear. And um, it's important this, you know, uh, meditate on verses in the Bible, you know, for the Spirit of God doesn't make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, um, you know, Timothy writes. And ultimately, we're to overcome our fears. We need to walk very, very closely with this God who's for us, not against us, who David knew uh, had his best interests at heart. Because actually, it's in intimacy with God that we can overcome our fears. I found this uh, in my own life as I press into God. There's no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect. In love, John writes, this beloved disciple uh, of Jesus. So that's the second thing David prays, uh, reveal my fears. And uh, I would encourage you to identify your fears this year just for the reasons I've given and do all you can just to address them and go for it despite them. I read a book many years ago. Uh, it's one of those books where the title sort of summarizes the book and you don't really need to read the book, so I'll give you the title. And it's feel, feel the Fear and Do It Anyway was the title of the book. So you don't need to buy it. You don't need to read it. I'm sorry to the author. But you need to feel the fear and just do it anyway. Is it, is it just me who feels frightened? Yes, thanks. <laughs> Cheers, Jens. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Thirdly, David prays, thirdly, uncover my sins. Uncover my sins. This is verse 24. See if there is any way offensive in me. And, you know, David battled sin in his life, and he loves God. I love his devotion. He doesn't lead a perfect life. You know, David, we think Bathsheba. We think he counted the army. He was very mean to various people. He lied. He deceived people at times. Uh, and he wants to know what actually his sins are. Now, I know talking about sin today is quite interesting. In the church, I think we make two mistakes as we think about the whole issue of sin. The first is that we basically talk about sin too much. 
And some Christians is like, they're sinners, they're sinners, sin, sin, sinners, sin, sin, sin. I suggest that's a mistake because actually Jesus came to rub sin out, not rub it in. The other mistake I suggest we make with sin is that we don't talk about it at all. And it's tempting in our culture today that has no concept of uh, objective morality, of um, moral standards often, anything goes. If, it, if it's good for you, cool, just do it, just go for it. Uh, and so it's quite hard to speak about sin today. And so I want to tell you a story to try and illustrate why it's important we ask God to reveal our sin and why talking about sin from time to time is really, really important. Now, my favorite Christmas present was actually this watch that Bex gave me. Can you see it? And it's got these luminous hands. And, uh, you know, has anyone got one of these watches? And the first night, what do you do? You go under the duvet in bed, don't you? Just see how bright it is. You shine your torch at it, all that sort of stuff. It's all really fun. Now, in 1915, a guy called Sabin, he invented luminous paint that went on the first watches. And uh, it was based on some of the recent scientific developments in X-ray technology. And often what he did is, in his factory, he employed... Uh, quite a lot of quite uneducated young girls to actually carefully paint the paint onto the watch faces. And there's a, there's a picture of one of them doing that. And um, he completely thought the paint was harmless. He'd encourage the girls, or they often would actually uh, point their paintbrush, make it sort of straight, just by putting it in their mouth, you know, and then they'd be able to sort of get the brush and get it right. And uh, he, he just thought it was harmless. Actually, the girls thought this paint was harmless too. And uh, they would often, in their breaks, just paint their faces with it, or their hands or their teeth. And they would um, basically go into dark rooms. And there's photos of them if you look online. So going, and all having hysterics. It's a lot of fun. Now, what's interesting as well, uh, that was 1916, 1917, the predominant medical journal in America actually issued the statement that this paint, it was completely harmless. The phrase was, it was like sunshine is to plants, this paint is to humans. It's, it's just a bit of fun. It, 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 it's not, not harmless at all. Now, what happened, unfortunately, a few years later, was that these girls started to get really sick. And Sabin himself got very sick too. And they started to um, get very, very ill. Saban actually lost his hands, lost lots of his gums. And uh, the girls, there was a big American trial, uh, which really was one of the early cases with employee rights and health and safety in the workplace. And only five of them made it to the trial. One of them was on a stretcher. She'd had 30 operations, would you believe? And she couldn't talk. She was paralyzed in her lower body. And they bought uh, this claim against the company. And... Um, I tell you that story because it, it illustrates, I think, just the significance or the danger of sin uh, in our lives and uh, the dynamics of it. You see, sin uh, is this sense, hamartia in the Greek. It means a sense of falling short, falling short in our relationship with God and our honoring of God, falling short, missing the mark with our relationships with one another, with creation, and also even with ourselves. And so, um, actually, the Bible makes it clear that the consequence of sin is separation from God. 
So this is really serious sin. And ultimately, the Bible says, it leads to death. Like these girls, it leads to death. And so actually, David prays, reveal my sins, or uncover my sins, because he, he actually wants to get right before God. And obviously, he's living pre-Jesus, but we know that one of the wonderful things Jesus does on the cross is he dies in our place. He, he bears the penalty for sin, if you like, in his body on the cross. Uh, it kills him, uh, but Jesus uh, is risen from death back to life. And so when we come to Christ, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, uh, our sins aren't counted against us. So can I encourage you, uh, this might be a long way of saying, uh, take sin seriously in your life. David did, and he made lots of mistakes. But like David, be someone who knows uh, the forgiveness of God. And uh, we need to identify our sins. If we say we're, at, we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us, 1 John 1, 8 says. Uh, but if we confess our sins, God is faithful, forgives us our sins and restores us from all unrighteousness. And as you do this exercise, and I've done it myself and uh, you know, I found it a freeing thing to do, uh, do know the difference between conviction that the Spirit brings of sin and condemnation, which the enemy brings. Um, one of the great things about God is he convicts us of sin uh, because he doesn't want us to ruin our lives or other people's lives. And if you feel condemned or uh, accused, that's not God speaking to you. So you need to know that. And you need to just be someone who reveals, uh, knows what your sins are, confesses, and you regularly take the trash out. Because ultimately, sin, like this uh, paint on the watch, can seem a bit harmless or, oh gosh, those Christians are a bit fussy or, oh, it's old-fashioned. Actually, it actually ruins life. It ultimately destroys life, including our own lives. So David prays, reveal my sins. Is that clear? Uh, is that helpful? I'm not, you know, holiness is important, is what I'm trying to say. So search my heart, number one. Number two, reveal my fears. Number three, uncover my sins. Finally, David prays, lead me. Uh, lead me uh, in the way everlasting. And David, you see, wants to flourish in his life. And he knows that this God who loves him, who's for him, who is powerful, who is everywhere he goes, he actually wants him to lead him. Now, has anyone passed their driving test recently? No. Okay. <laughs> There's a few people. Now, I passed my driving test. I remember. Uh, congratulations. Let's give him a round of applause. Um, basically, I passed my driving test. I go to the station. I fill up the car with petrol the first ever time, full tank. And, um, you know, I get really excited. I always, I always do. I mean, uh, I still, to this day, 40 years later, 30 years later, I still get excited when I fill up the car with petrol because it's like 400 miles. It's like crazy road, road trip is looming. Adventure. Where am I going to go? Get the music on. Get the munchies. Off we go. And, um, you know, even I did it last week. I filled up. And I was like, yes, yes, this is fantastic. And then I went home. But basically... <laughs> Basically, you know, God wants to lead us on this amazing adventure, on this amazing adventure uh, road trip. 
You know, being a Christian, I said this is dangerous prayer. Being a Christian is not a safe thing. God isn't um, safe. He's good, but he wants to lead you on this amazing journey into life and life to the full. And David knows that for all his successes, for all his failure, he knows that. And he wants to say to God, just lead me and guide me. I trust you. And so I've got a question for you tonight. Are you going to let God lead you? Are you going to let God drive your car, so to speak? Now, you might think, yes, 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 yes. A good test of whether you're actually good at this or not is, how good are you at letting other people drive your own car? Are you a good passenger? Or do you get a bit jumpy? Okay. Thanks for the interaction. Um, (laughs) I like to drive. Uh, uh, Bex is probably a better driver than I. It's not what I said this morning, but she wasn't here. Um, (laughs) But actually, you know, we've got to just trust God and and trust that he can lead us into great things this year. So uh, let me give you some practical things. How can you let God drive? Well, you need to touch base with God daily, uh, every day connect with God in the way that works for you. I find different things work at different times. Last year, I read through the Bible in a year. I started it again. Sometimes I go for a walk. And it's amazing over Christmas, um, actually, I saw lots of family members. I saw one of my oldest friends I was at uni with. And um, it was funny. Afterwards, I thought, you know, it's funny. We had a meal together, but I didn't really connect with you. Do you, have, do you know what I mean? You can, in a marriage... Uh, Uh, Spend a lot of time with someone, but not really connect with them. Even with your kids or your friends at school, you can go out to the cinema or something, not really connect with them, not really talk to them. You need to open your life to God and just ask him to lead you each day. And reading the Bible is a great way of doing that. Finding other things that work is really, really important. You also, I want to uh, uh, suggest, be humble as you lead your life, as you make your decisions for this year and what you're going to do. And I've just been thinking about this verse from James. Now listen, uh, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, We will live and do this or that. It's really important that, that I I, I don't know, I say I'm a bit of a goals person. I've got my goals lined up for this year, you know. Personal, marriage, kids, church, wider family, da-da-da-da-da. Actually, hey God, what do you want? Would you lead me this year? Or would you just lead me into life and life to the full? And practically, why don't you tonight just identify the one thing you think God's leading you into this year? Just the one thing. Uh, what is it? Just identify. Why not just tell the, someone before you leave the building tonight, you know, I'm going for this one thing this year. Don't go for 20 things. You won't do it. Ten, you'll struggle. One, you've got a good chance of going for one. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. Search me David, praise God. Know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.